The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept, and one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon, um, broadcasting from sunny Arizona, although today it's not so sunny. We don't mind a few clouds. They're rare, and it'll be sunny again probably by tomorrow or even later this afternoon. It's noon in Scottsdale. It's lunchtime, and we're going to be talking about food. What should we eat there are so many conflicting opinions on what we should eat and what we should not eat that few of us know really what's good and what's not anymore. What can we eat to become and remain healthy? What food program helps us lose weight if we need to do that? Few pro- programs seem to work over the long haul. You take it off, you put it back on. What about processed foods? What about fast food? There's a lot of talk about how fast food is making us an obese nation. Should we eat organic food? What about organic food? Is there a food program that can make us feel better, think better, look better, do all those good things? If so, what is it? Our guest today claims to have such a food program and he comes from a remarkable background um, he's featured today on the self-improvement blog and I encourage you to visit there to learn more and by, while you're there watch the videos and take a look at the book review as well Drew Ramsey our guest today is an MD he's an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons Dr. Ramsey is a diplomat of the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology He completed his specialty training in adult psychiatry at Columbia University, New York State Psychiatric Institute, received an MD from Indiana University School of Medicine in 2000, and is a Phi Beta Kappa graduate of Earlham College. His clinical work focuses on the treatment of depression and anxiety with a combination of psychotherapy, lifestyle modification, and psychopharmacology. His interests lie in using the modern psychological concepts and the latest brain science to help people live their healthiest, happiest lives. And there's a lot of new brain science, and it's wonderful to know that um, the psychiatrists are keeping up with it. 
In 2008, he turned his attention to changes in the American food supply and how the diet of the country's citizens influences their mental health. Get that, their mental health. His first book, The Happiness Diet, written with Tyler Graham, was published by Rodale in 2011. Hippocrates said, let medicine be your food and food be your medicine, and Hippocrates would love Dr. Drew Ramsey. It is such a pleasure to, to welcome him to the Self-Improvement Show. Dr. Ramsey, welcome. Dr. Irene, thank you very much. Thank you for being with us. I know what your schedule is like. Sometimes it's absolutely grueling, and I appreciate your giving us this time. It's very special to me. I totally understand what you had to do to, to, to get here with us. Uh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, uh, focusing on the happiness diet, and also I think it's great for all of your listeners that we can spend an hour today talking about uh, a lot of the confusion that you mentioned earlier about food oh, and a, so a, much. The, the confusion of what constitutes a healthy, happy meal. And I hope by the end of our talk today, people can leave with a real clear sense of what the new data tells us is, is, is the real happy meal. Uh, oh, there is a happy meal, too. Tell us a little bit, though, in the beginning about yourself and how you came to be in the field of psychiatry. What was your great draw there? Um, I, I I loved uh, in medical school. I loved talking to patients, and I loved the uh, uh, this notion that that every mind, every patient was different, and everybody, even if they're coming in with something that um, looks the same clinically, let's say coming in with chest pain, the the story of, of how that happened in their life uh, and, and what brought them into uh, a clinical setting was always different, and uh, I thought. I love biochemistry, and I really and I loved uh, neuroscience, and I really felt that those two arenas uh, were going to really explode over my career, which which they have so far, and that the ability to apply this new knowledge to clinical settings to patients who are struggling with brain disorders was was going to be really satisfying. And then on top of that, I just I really I like working with patients. I'm a clinician. I mean, I really I. I, I <laughs> I became a physician because I really liked working with people and helping people more than the other aspects that that you know is now are now presented to physicians of doing research or administration, and um, psychiatry seemed like one of the few places in medicine where really you get to spend a lot of time with patients. You get to do that old school doctoring of really sitting down and spending an hour really listening to someone and, and getting uh, their story. I so love it. You wouldn't be interested in moving to Arizona, would you? Well. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer that. It's exciting to me that a physician is actually involved in nutrition of any kind. Um, what got you involved in this intense study of nutrition and its effects on, well, basically moods, energy, and cognition from uh, your point of view? Well, it can't, you know, I think part of it stems that I'm a, I'm a farm boy at heart. I, I grew up in Indiana on a farm, and we grew a lot of our own food. We used to get milk uh, from a, a couple that had some dairy cows down the road. And so we'd all, my family's always really thought about food. For many years, uh, when I was in college and medical school, I was actually a vegetarian. So I've always had an interest in food and health and prevention. Um, what got me interested specifically in nutrition-related mental health stems from uh, a lot of the medications we give cause weight gain, and a lot of uh, patients with psychiatric illness uh, end up struggling with what we call the metabolic syndrome now. It's a combination of diabetes and obesity and heart disease. And 
I was I was working with some patients. I remember very clearly sitting one day and having this notion of you know I'd gotten someone's meds right and I I, I tried to be helpful in psychotherapy and kind of what more could I do? And she and I were talking about food and I just sort of popped in my head like what what would be what's the right diet for for happiness for the brain? And that and so I sort of got a little bit of a title for the book and then made the decision to um, really dedicate myself full time, at least in what little time I have besides clinical practice, to really start. Uh, readdressing the issues of nutrition and looking at what the data says about brain health and nutrition and, and what's really the latest science. Um, nutrition really starts with medical biochemistry, which is something we do a lot of in medical school. And I, uh, and then there has been a lot of data that's come out recently that got me m- much more interested. I mean, I feel there's been a bit of a kind of food revolution over the last five years of people getting more interested in our food, where it comes from, and how it affects us. And I, I definitely have been a, kind of a part of that wave. Well, after reading your book, I can see that it's a critical topic. I mean, it truly is. Can, can you really improve mental and emotional well-being through diet? Yes, you can. And, and, and let me explain to your listeners exactly what we mean, because I, I get... Um, I, I, I work with a lot of people who need more than just good food. Um, they, they've suffered from, you know, let's say, extreme trauma, and just eating salmon and kale uh, isn't going to <laughs> isn't going to make everything better. But if you think about something like, uh, let's just take an episode of depression, and you take two patients. One patient comes in and they've been eating a great diet and exercising and in, in doing their best to engage in healthy relationships, and they have a full-blown depressive episode. You know, that's somebody who we're going to look to psychotherapy or medications, the evidence-based treatments we have to treat depression. Think about another patient that comes in, and they've been eating the modern American diet. And the, the MAD diet, as we call it in the book, consists mainly, most calories for most Americans, and this is USDA data, comes from added sugars and added fats. So, so the amount of sugar that Americans are eating now, we hear a lot about sugar in the news, it, it is out, uh, outrageous. Right? We're getting, the average American eats 52 teaspoons of sugar every day. That's a 3,000% wow. increase in the last 200 years. So someone comes in and they're, they're in the midst of feeling very badly, and they're eating horrible food, foods that we know are correlated with an increased risk of depression. That's someone who, in addition to the evidence-based treatments we have, like medications and psychotherapy, I'm really going to want to help them shift their diet and shift their diet in a way that they're getting more of the nutrients that we know the brain needs because we know the modern American diet is deficient and we know that many Americans are deficient in some molecules that the brain needs to be healthy. Uh, A a great example is vitamin E. 93% of Americans do not eat the recommended daily allowance of vitamin E. And, and that, I mean, that, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> now, most Americans aren't full-on deficient, but when you think about vitamin E, it's a, it's a molecule that dissolves in fat, meaning it protects fat, and your brain is mainly made of fat, which surprises a lot of people. And here's a nutrient that we know protects your brain fat, but most Americans don't eat enough of it. That seems to me to be kind of a slam dunk in terms of, that's a nutrient I want my patients eating more of. Well, And, and combined with the fact that we're told not to eat fat, can we get use of the vitamin E if we eat it? Um, yeah, well, it's funny. The, these fat-soluble nutrients, there are four fat-soluble vitamins in the body, vitamin D, vitamin A, A. vitamin K, and vitamin E, um, K, A, D, and E. And to really absorb those, you have to eat fat. So 
So that's one of the problems with people eating a no-fat diet or a low-fat diet. And you can see sort of what's happened over the last maybe 30 years in nutrition is we've really, we we took some initial data that came out of science from the 50s and really moved into uh, a kind of hysterical no-fat or low-fat solution to, uh, to our nutritional problems. And what's happened since then? I mean, it was 1978 that we started pre- that we started saying eat less fat. Americans have just gotten uh, more obese. We've had more diabetes, um, and and one of the things that happened is really tries to pull into the public consciousness is the notion that when you eat, uh, you know, people make decisions to avoid heart disease, to avoid obesity, to avoid cancer. One of the real big arguments of the book is say, look, you've got to also think about brain disorders like depression and dementia, because these are these are disorders that we know uh, the relative risk of getting them is related to your diet. And in terms of disorders, they're really the most disabling. Somebody has a heart attack at age seventy. While that you know is is a is an upsetting and tragic health event, that person has had. Now, 50 years of being a productive adult, and they've contributed to society and, and engaged in relationships, and, and you know, they've had a life. If you think about somebody who is 18 and has a full-blown depressive episode and gets hospitalized mm. and then really doesn't get adequate treatment, we know 80% of people with major depression don't get adequate treatment. If you think about how different that person's trajectory is, the amount of disability that they're going to have over until they're 70, that's a disease the depression, that really treating that person uh, optimally is going to make a radical difference in their adult productive life. So we really wanted people to begin thinking not just about obesity, diabetes, and cancer, but start thinking about your brain health. Because your brain uses the majority of the calories that you eat, or not the majority, but you know, pound for pound, your brain only weighs three pounds. It uses 20% of all the calories that you eat. So basically... If diet is involved this heavily in nutrition, you're saying that the modern American diet or MAD can make us sadder. Yeah, is that, that a the, true statement? Yeah, that is a true statement. The, the modern American diet is a diet that if you, if you look at all the numbers and you look at all the studies, it's a diet that's high in sugar, high in refined, carbo, refined carbohydrates. It's high in added fats, and the ratio of the fats that we're eating has shifted. So we used to, used to eat a lot more of these omega-3 fats that people have heard a lot about. They're very good for your heart. They're also what your brain cells are made out of. They're very important for brain function. Uh, we don't eat as many of those as we switched in the in the 60s and 70s over to the uh, grain feeding of meat, which is a different uh, puts a different fatty acid profile in the meat. We started eating a lot more of these added fats. So if you look at you know, look look at your spaghetti sauce, look at yogurt. You're going to see a lot of soybean oil and corn oil. Mm. And again, you know, in small amounts, in small amounts, I mean, your body is amazing. It can do anything, right? <laughs> but it's right, when, we're yeah. really, when we're flooding it with too many calories and too many of the wrong calories. Uh, and we're not giving the brain some of the nutrients that we know it needs. Uh, that, that, that's where I think for sure you can say the modern American diet increases someone's risk of, of getting depressed, increases someone's risk of losing their memory um, or, or having, you know, the senior moments people begin having in the 40s and 50s. <laughs> we don't talk about those. We don't, we don't talk about those. <laughs> right. But, but the, the, certainly you can reduce your risk of those problems if you eat, uh, uh, eat a healthier, happier diet.
I know in the book you talk about the mood swings people have from eating this kind of a diet. And the question comes to me, and this is sort of, you know, out of the out of the clear blue for me. How does it affect then people? Does, does, is it contribute? I'm sure it contributes to ADD, ADHD that we see so much in the schools now. Uh, um, it, you know, it, it? it's certain. Uh, it's certainly. Um, if we think about what's happening to kids today, uh, in terms of what they're confronted with nutritionally, and uh, and what happens, um, there's a great study called the Inca study, which looked at children who have problems with attention, impulsivity, and hyperactivity, and it took them off of the modern American diet and it put them on what they called a simple diet. It was a diet of no artificial colorings, no artificial ingredients. It was like chicken, pears, water, very simple diet, vegetables, and, and simple meats. I think it was 78% of the children's behaviors got better over about six weeks. And then they did a very important thing in science, which is then they put them back on the regular diet, and they got worse. Not and a surprise there. It's, and, and, and if you talk to um, there are a couple of physicians who, who really work with this population, and if you talk to them, they'll say, you know, when they make a dietary recommendation, sometimes families are a little bit skeptical, and then they'll often get calls a few weeks later saying, you know, it's a miracle that my child's doing better. And, you know, I think to those of us who look at nutrition and mental health, it's not a miracle. It's kind of common sense. You know, you are what you eat applies to all aspects of health. And if you're eating lots of artificial colorings, flavorings, lots of sugar, I mean, anybody, I have a 13-month-old, anybody with a child knows, you give a child sugar, they get messed up. So when you look at something, for example, like New York City schools switched from full-fat milk to low-fat milk, Everyone said, this is great for everyone's health. If you actually look at the details of what then happened, children started drinking low-fat chocolate milk. And what they switched is instead of getting calories from fat, they started getting lots of calories from sugar. Yeah. And and I think that's a switch that, again, on the surface, sounds like a good idea. Let's give these kids fewer calories. Well, it's the same amount of calories, but instead of getting those calories from fat, they get them for sugar. And and the, the, the problem with that is that a lot of times these sugars aren't coming with other nutrients. So it's, so I guess the short answer, Irene, is, is that I think there is a correlation between bad diet and the increase that we're seeing in all, all mental health disorders. And the nice thing, and what the happiness diet tries to focus on, is the solution is really simple. The solution can start at your next meal. The solution doesn't cost a lot of money, and the solution tastes great. (laughs) And we're going to be talking more about that solution, but right now we're going to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Drew Ramsey, saying stay tuned. We'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Are you looking to improve your personal or professional branding? What about your business? We've got a program that will help streamline your image management. Tune in to Marketing Matters, hosted by Yasmeen Anderson-Smith. Your business and public image is important to your customers' perceptions. And in this day and age, how you market yourself or your company can make the difference between running a successful business and shutting it down. Marketing Matters can be heard every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. 
show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1 866 613 1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Drew Ramsey. We're talking about his book, The Happiness Diet. And, you know, it truly is. If you just look at the cover, you see this wonderful big hamburger. And the first thing your mind says is, oh, if I read that book, I'll never get one of those. But let me tell you, the recipe for that hamburger is in this book. So have faith. And there's even one for ice cream in there, which I found absolutely delightful that a book on health would let you have ice cream. Think about it as we continue. One of the things you tell us in the book is to stop worrying about fat, cholesterol, and even calories. Um, This goes against everything we've learned and everything the government tells us. Explain why you you say that. When I talk to patients, uh, especially younger patients, uh, and, and they talk to me about food, uh, they will often say they eat a healthy diet, and then they say they don't eat saturated fat or cholesterol. And it's not that those two nutrients shouldn't be something that people are aware of. I just don't think that they should be at the top of an eater's list. That, that I would much rather have someone focus on um, eating the foods on the happiness diet, which are whole, sustainably raised foods that we know have a great mix of nutrients for the brain, and worry less about cholesterol, saturated fat, and, and overall caloric intake. Now, one of the reasons is that the happiness diet is going to fill you up. I I do not eat a large quantity of food, but I eat um, a great quality of food, and I'm I'm never hungry. I mean, only before meals. Um, And and when we focus, let's just take something like dietary cholesterol. Everyone thinks cholesterol is horrible for them, but it turns out dietary cholesterol the, the, the cholesterol that's in food doesn't affect blood cholesterol that much for most people. And, and so it shouldn't be really at the top of people's list, like I'm not going to eat cholesterol. And the points we make in the book is because when people say that, what they do is they stop eating eggs, they stop eating beef, they stop eating um, shrimp. And, and those three foods, if done right, you know, if you get a good grass-fed beef, um, I think you can make an argument that that's something that should be in your diet every now and then. Uh, if Eggs are one of my favorite recommendations to give patients because they have so many nutrients. And they're the so incredible filling. edible egg. The incredible edible egg. They're, they're absolutely, I mean, they're just, if you look at the nutritional profile for an egg, it has some B12, it has B6, it has vitamin D, it has iodine, it has a complete protein. 
But people aren't eating all those because they say, well, it has a lot of cholesterol. And I don't, I, there's no evidence that eggs are bad for you. There's a Harvard egg study that up to seven eggs a week, they couldn't find any problems with it. So wow. it, it's one of these That's... things that, again, people have gotten a little, uh, I think the message has gotten oversimplified. And then the, the notion about calories, I have this idea, I want people to count brain nutrients. I'd much rather one of my patients during the week be thinking about their food in terms of, where am I going to get a lot of folate? You know, what leafy greens have I eaten this week? Where am I going to get a lot of omega-3s? You know, gosh, I haven't eaten anything with vitamin D in it over the last couple of days. I'm going to, I'm going to, look, I'm going to look for that. As opposed to doing what I hate, which is turning every meal into a math equation, which I think is a horrible way to think about food. I mean, I love to eat. I love food. I love growing food and cooking food. And I don't like sitting down and trying to calculate, well, you know, this week I had, you know, today I've already had about 452 calories, and that means I have this many calories more. I, I don't think that works for most eaters. I agree with you. I don't think it is either. So it's but not that- it does either. But let me ask you this. You're not talking about the kind of food we find on most supermarket displays, are you? No. The supermarket, I, I consider the American supermarket is a fairly dangerous place. Uh, and, and the advice that, that uh, many people have given, and I will also repeat, is to stay, to stay on the outskirts, to stay on the outer aisles of the supermarket. Because if you go into those middle aisles, and we have a whole aisle that's dedicated to soda, which is sugar. We have a whole aisle that's dedicated to breakfast cereal, which mainly is sugar. We have a, a you know a whole aisle dedicated to pastas, you know, and it, which again mainly refined carbohydrates. So, uh, the, the part of the book and part of the happiness diet is really trying to spend a little bit of time, and again, not a lot of time. I understand everybody's busy out there, but to do something like find your local farmers market and get some of your produce, all of it if if possible, from a locally sourced uh, uh, a local farmer. And that's easy to do today. There's a, there's a link on my website. Uh, I've got a whole section called Find Food, which allows anybody in America to pop in your zip code, and you're going to find the local farmer's market, the local organic markets, the restaurants that use local products. Uh, there's a great website, localharvest.org, that I link to. Okay, while we're here, tell us how to find your website. Tell us how to get your book. Tell us how we find you. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm easy to find. I'm, uh, my website's drewramseymd.com. And the book, uh, The Happiness Diet, is available pretty much everywhere you can buy books. It's available on Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble. It's available on the iBook. It's available on the Kindle and the Nook. Um, you can even read the first uh, section of the book that's available on my website, DrewRamseyMD.com. You can download that as a PDF to, to try it before you buy it. Um, and then also on my website, I've got my blog, The Recipe for Happiness, and a bunch of resources for people who are interested in nutrition, and the blog covers, um, you know, uh, the, the issue of nutrition and mental health and what's happening in the news um, uh, and, and new research as it comes out. I also have a science archive there, and then I have a, a, a place to learn about these nutrients we're talking about. Um, in the book, we call them the essential elements of happiness, which are the molecules that really make up your brain and, uh, you know, all, all of the activity that's happening as I'm speaking, as everyone out there is listening and understanding things that I'm saying, all that is, is, is underneath all of that is brain behavior that relies on a very specific set of molecules and nutrients. And so on the website, I go into those a little bit of, of what they are and most importantly, where you get them in whole foods. 
And I really encourage you to go to these sites. On the blog today, I said anybody who eats should read this book. And I truly mean that because there's information here that in my long career as, as a nurse, a practicing nurse, looking at nutrition, dealing with it, I hadn't, I didn't know many, many things that are in this book. It, it's, it's a fabulous book uh, all the way through from the information he gives you to the recipes he gives you to the meal plans. Um, it's all there. And one of the things that I got really involved in is this 100 reasons why not to eat processed food and we'll talk a little more about processed food later but I mean this is a very valuable book and I, I just can't encourage you enough to to get it to read it to get serious with it and serious about your diet uh, you brought me to the question Dr. Ramsey what about people who can't afford to pay the extra money to to buy the the whole foods uh, you know Irene I've been challenging listeners as I've been uh, talking about the book uh, that anybody who wants to send me their food budget I will help you figure out a way to eat the happiness diet because wow. I'm a big believer that this is one of the bigger myths out there that gets in people's way um, where I, I grew up in the poorest county of Indiana and so I, I am. I, I understand what it's like to have to save pennies, and I understand what it's like to worry about how much food costs. And a lot of these foods that we're talking about, when people walk into the store and they think, you know, eating the happiness diet means just eating organic food, and you look at you know, organic beef versus regular beef, uh, it, you know, people get intimidated by those costs. And so in the well, book, I'm intimidated have, by beef costs just in general right now. <laughs> yeah, food, food, food is getting expensive, and food's going to get more expensive. And so the, part of the happiness diet is really giving the readers tools on how do you really do this on a budget. And, and there are a lot of, uh, a, uh, if, if you think about the costs um, involved with eating uh, more vegetables, I think one of the examples uh, we like to give is a head of cabbage. I bought a head of cabbage uh, maybe four or five days ago, and I've eaten it all kinds of different ways with my family. We've chopped it up and thrown it in salads. I've sautéed some of it with onions. I, I, I stuffed a pork loin with it the other night, and, you know. And, and that head of cabbage cost me, I think, a buck fifty. And you know, think about uh, a big bunch of kale. It's going to be two or three dollars. One of my favorite organic red beans. Red beans are amazing beans. They have more antioxidants than actually any other food out there. They're, they're, they're even more than blueberries. And you can get, you know, I buy my organic red beans by the pound at a co-op. And I think they're like $1.50 a pound. Now, a pound of dry beans, that is a lot of good, healthy, organic calories. <laughs> um, we talk a lot about how to buy meat. Meat and dairy are really the two most expensive items of people's diet. And I really want people to be very careful about their meat and dairy and, and to go with local sources, go with grass-fed sources, because we know when cows eat grass or goats and sheep, when they eat grass, they produce a very special molecule, very special fat called conjugated linoleic acid. And we know that fat helps fight belly fat. It helps uh, protect brain cells. It helps fight cancer. Uh, there's a large study that just came out of Costa Rica that it actually people who eat more CLA have a reduced risk of a first heart attack. And, and uh, so uh, part of buying local beef 
is finding a local beef farmer, and, and um, usually buying in a little bit more bulk. So the last time I went to, I was in Indiana, I went to my local beef farmer, I probably spent $60. I got enough meat that's going to last me for months. Um, you know, we also talk about getting some non-traditional cuts. So instead of just getting New York strip steaks and hamburgers, you know, getting some things like a beef shank, putting it in the slow cooker. Oh, they're some, wonderful in the slow cooker. They're wonderful in the slow cooker, right? And that's, I mean, a, a nice-sized beef shank will cost you, you know, a few bucks, and that'll feed many people. Or um, So it, it's really the, the one way to think about the happiness diet. It's a plant-based diet. I mean, there's nothing better for you than vegetables, but there is a fair amount or, or a moderate amount of meat and, and a variety of meats and, and also of seafood, which is really the most important thing people start eating more of is a variety of healthy seafoods. But there's a way to do this that, that I think does not break the bank. You know, it's not that everyone needs to go out and buy $15 a pound wild salmon. Um, yeah. I, just, I just threw a party and had a bunch of people over where I cooked everybody mussels. And mussels oh. cost four or five bucks a pound. And we sat around for hours slowly eating one. these mussels. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely delicious brain food. Super inexpensive. I fed the whole party for probably 15, 20 bucks. You know, it seems to me that the problem is less than the expense. The problem is a mind change, uh, changing the way you eat, changing the way you want to eat. Yeah, it is a big I, I problem. Completely agree. I agree. I think that people want there to be a difference, and then there's that, especially if you're on the modern American diet and you're feeling sluggish and down and overweight and, and you're not having a lot of uh, energy. To make this shift, it sounds like it takes a lot of energy, but it really doesn't. I mean, it really is about it, it, it. And I find the effects are quite quick. That when people start paying more attention to their food and eating healthier, it, you know, people ask a lot of times, "How long does it take on the happiness diet?" And I, I sort of always like to say, you know, I think it just takes one meal. <laughs> I've had people actually write write to me and say, "I haven't even eaten anything yet, but I just went to the grocery store with my daughter." And we follow the rules of the book, and I feel great because she knows that in her house, for her family, are the right foods to feed her family's brains. And and I think that that waking up knowing that it just makes people feel better that you know you're doing the best you can to feed your brain. And you know what surprised me? I the first one, the first thing I cooked of yours was the the uh, chicken. Uh-huh. And it had turnips and carrots, and I'm thinking I don't think I've ever cooked a turnip in my life. I cooked that. It didn't take me very long. I actually enjoyed it. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, I didn't notice that much time out of my daily schedule, which sometimes gets packed. It it was a a, a delicious meal. My son wants me to do it again. And we we all felt like we felt better just because we'd eaten that absolutely delicious but healthy meal. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, it's it's glad to hear that. And turnip is something that I had, and part of my enjoyment with writing the book was really reconnecting to food. I found, I mean, it's not like I've uh, um, always been the best eater. Um, I certainly have gotten better over the last years as I learned more. But one of the things I did was was you know find some local producers of food. I was very surprised. I found a fourth generation beef farm just maybe you know half an hour from my family's farm in Indiana, um, and I'm very blessed in New York City. Just about a hundred feet from my front door is a farmers market every Saturday, wow. and so I really, I'm, I'm really, I feel very blessed that I'm able to look into the eyes of the people who who uh, grow my food, and, and and both to that's where I want to spend my food dollars. That's 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 who I want to support, 
Um, but it also just feels great to sort of know to know the folks who make your food, and it's not it it's, it's not that hard to do these days. You know, talking about knowing people who make your food, let's talk a little bit about not knowing the people who make your food, and talk a little bit about processed foods. You know, you, you give a hundred reasons why you should avoid processed foods. Um, some of them sort of overwhelming. I think my personal favorite is that the FDA allows 19 maggots and 74 mites in a three and a half ounce can of mushrooms. Uh, I mean, I'll never... I loved, I loved your comment on that. Like, how do you decide? You know, why, why, is, why 17 and not 12? It, that, was a yeah. very, that was a very funny list to find. I have to... It felt like a gold mine because... How, how do you... How, you know, I... I there's one that has so many, it's like four and a half rat hairs or mouse hairs. And I'm yeah. thinking, who cuts the hair in half? You're right. <laughs> I mean, so what is a half a rat hair? It's a great question. There's a whole list because the FDA does need to set standards on what, what's allowed in food. And, there, and, and it is... It is kind of shocking. Um, you know, it's not that eating a rat hair is bad for you, uh, but it, you know, necessarily. But it, I think it, it's that we've become so removed from our food. You know, one of, one of the um, uh, part of investigating the uh, doing some in, uh, investigation for the book was going to the Worldwide Food Expo, and it was very interesting that they had the same people who make airport X-ray scanners. Those same folks make devices to uh, shoot X-rays of all of, all of the meat that comes out of a meat factory. With the idea, you know, part of that is it's safety, and part of that is that there's a risk that there's going to be metal shavings and metal parts and all the things that you know happen inside a cow factory that end up in the food. And it, it's just, um, it, but maybe just take, to talk about the problems with the process, the problems with processed foods in general. Um, one is just turn over any ingredient list and look at it. Why I love whole food is there is no ingredient list. Uh, and if you look at those ingredients and you look at what we're calling the unpronounceables, and then you look at you know what some of those unpronounceables are, preservatives, um, you know, fillers, uh, soy proteins, you know, things that we've not really ever eaten in these forms. We look at all the food dyes that go into food where, you know, the science is a little controversial. There's no science that says they're good for you, though. And there's a lot of science that says they're probably bad for you. That, that's not something that, that you're going to find in whole natural foods. Um, we look at, you know, there's a big issue with bisphenol A, BPA, which the FDA just decided not to ban in the United States. That's a chemical that acts like estrogen. It's called an endocrine disruptor. Animal studies shows, uh, show that it interrupts the brain development in animal models. And it's something that is in food packaging that leaches into our food. Uh, Consumer Reports did a big study and found it in all kinds of canned vegetables and canned soups. Now, while it may be hard to definitively prove that, that it's not safe, it's certainly not good for you. And it's something that, again, you're going to find in processed foods. You're not going to find in whole foods. Um, trans fats is another great example. Trans fats is a toxin that we put into our food supply in 1912. Uh, Procter & Gamble had a lot of leftover cottonseed oil, and a German chemist had figured out how to make that oil a solid. It looked a little bit like lard. They decided they wanted to try and replace lard, as the, which was the major fat that we were using in America, and they replaced it with hydrogenated cottonseed oil. And now, you know, uh, a little over, you know, almost a, a, I guess exactly 100 years later, you know, trans fats were outlawed in New York City restaurants and food. Um, they, they uh, you know, really are very clearly, uh, Harvard did a 
study, and they looked at they basically uh, determined that about two hundred thousand heart attacks a year could be attributed to trans fats. And, and and you're not going to find those types of industrial trans fats in whole foods. And, you know, some of us grew up with that stuff and thought that that's the way we should eat. Right. We Everyone told us to eat margarine, to stop eating butter. But this all came out of a set of studies by a gentleman named Ansel Keys, who um, he... Uh, he created a set of uh, studies, the six country and seven country study we talk a little bit about in the book, that looked at how saturated fats increase total cholesterol. And it's one of these stories that you know, it, it, if, if you know, it's easy to criticize science looking looking backwards, but th- this was a period over the last you know fifty sixty years where we've really come to understand much more of how to do studies. We've understood much more about cholesterol. You know, it's not just that. You know, high cholesterol is bad for you. It really has to do with what types of cholesterol are in your blood and the ratios of those. And and so from those studies, however, I mean, that was the best science we had at the time. It really looked like um, butter caused more heart attacks. And so it made sense that people would say, Let, let's look to an alternative source. You know, it's not like these people were bad or ignorant or, you know, they were just um, misinformed because the science that was, uh, directing them really wasn't as good as they thought it was. And we're living with those effects. And Dr. Ramsey, it's time for us to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your book and how it's going to benefit people to eat this way. This is Irene Conlon with the Self-Improvement Show. My guest, Dr. Drew Ramsey, saying stay tuned. We will be right back. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness is delighted to finally have the opportunity to fulfill the requests of our many guests and listeners to extend the Mind, Brain, and Body experience to a second hour. Tune in for The Lyceum, Critiques of Ancient and Modern Understanding with Dr. Michael Kell. The purpose of this show is to explore and expand upon mankind's continual efforts to explain why we exist. Join us each week as we continue our fireside chats with some of the most remarkable thinkers living today. The Lyceum airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel where the world comes to listen and talk.
You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Drew Ramsey who has written this wonderful book called The Happiness Diet. He's a psychiatrist who practices in New York and is seen evidence that diet can definitely change your mood, uh, give you more energy and all these wonderful things. Dr. Ramsey, um, we're in the last leg of the show, so and, and this one goes by faster than you can believe. Uh, one of the questions I definitely want to ask you is, what difference have you seen with your patients who do go on a good nutritional program and eat healthier? Uh, what, what have you seen? Has it been able to reduce the number of drugs that they have to take to stay you know, in control? It's, it's, a, it's a good question, and it's very patient-dependent. I mean, my, my goal with, with food is always to get people eating a better diet, You know, not with the notion necessarily that they'll have to reduce medicines, but with the notion that we can reduce symptoms. And we know we, we know we don't do as good of a job in psychiatry as we would like in getting really complete symptom remission. And so what, what I often see are that people, when they begin eating um, uh, uh, the happiness diet, eat, uh, several things. One, people often lose a little bit of weight. And, and, and it's amazing how much that does for someone's mood. Uh, and I think for their self-esteem of feeling they're making progress. Um, the most weight loss I've had reported, I had to, we had a reader uh, lose 26 pounds in just six weeks. Wow. And, and, and so that, that's one effect. The, the mental health effects, I find that people have more energy um, because they're more nourished. Uh, people oftentimes have more stability in their mood, you know, kind of less ups and downs. A um, little less irritability, and then oftentimes better sleep. That, that it's really interest. That's been a very interesting part of, of, of watching people change their diet. Um, uh, that sleep improves, and, and sleep is really one of these neglected things in America, where, where <laughs> people don't don't often give enough, I think, respect or, or uh, to their sleep, and um, uh, and it's really a, a key foundation to good mental health. Um, I've seen some really severe symptom reduction in terms of, um, uh, particularly in patients that have some nutritional deficiencies. I've seen several people who are vegetarians or vegans and don't eat any animal products. And, you know, you, you, you can certainly make those decisions for ethical reasons. And, you know, there are a lot of problems with meat production. A lot of people don't want to eat meat. And, and that's, you know, that's someone's individual choice. However, nutritionally, a lot of times people, uh, rates of B12 deficiency and iron deficiency and also zinc deficiency are, are quite high among people who don't eat meat um, in several different surveys. And so uh, I find those patients oftentimes really have a huge benefit because there's, you know, which makes sense, there, there's a nutritional deficiency like a B12 deficiency and uh, that gets corrected. And B12 we know is needed to make red blood cells and to uh, replicate DNA. So... Um, without B12, you're really you're not able to have optimal mental health. So I, I've been, 
I've been quite impressed. And, you know, I also have to admit there are also patients who, you know, it hasn't made as big of a difference as we would like. I think it's also something that in clinical practice, you know, it, it's a little, um, you know, I'm, I always like my data to come from studies because yes. I, I'm, I'm always going to feel that uh, patients who eat better feel a little bit better and there's going to be a bias in that data as opposed to, the science and the science is is, is very clear now. Um, there have been five major studies that have come out in the past two years that look at dietary pattern, and they all say the same thing. If you eat the modern American diet, a diet of lots of refined foods, processed foods, fried foods, lots of sugar, you're going to have a much much bigger inc- uh, risk of getting depressed. It's like about a sixty percent increase in your risk of getting depressed over five years. Same thing, big risk of getting anxiety, more anxiety. Same thing if you eat foods with a lot of trans fats, big increase in the risk of depression. And uh, a huge study looking at the adolescent population, which was very clear. The worse the quality of the diet, the higher the risk of having mental health problems. Do you think that physicians who are seeing the results of these studies will become more interested in the nutritional aspects of care? I think I think physicians are. I've been really impressed with my fellow physicians really getting interested in the book and nutrition. A lot of doctors call me up and talk to me about food. I just had lunch with a colleague today who you know, was very interested in food herself. So I think that's shifting. We have a problem, though, that Americans are sick. A hundred million Americans have prediabetes. Uh, you know, 12% of Americans now take antidepressants. It's hard for me to imagine that in a primary care doctor's office where you have about 10 minutes, to 15 minutes at the most with, to deal with everything that they're going to slide in there more than eat better and for most Americans that advice doesn't really help because people are confused on what to eat and that's where I think a resource like the happiness diet does have a role um, I think doctors want patients to eat better but a lot of people don't you know you don't have the time in that setting to really try and change someone's behavior and really talk to them about their food I don't know a single doctor though who would not support the statement that, you know, real whole foods are going to improve someone's health. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, I read your stand on supplements, and yet many people are led to believe that if they're not eating a, a, an adequate diet, you know, they can take, now we have phytonutrients available to us in liquid and pill form. We have all kinds of vitamins, minerals, you know, in the form of supplements. What about what about supplements for people who are not willing to make a change? Uh, you know, I think that's an individual choice. My, my personal feeling is most recent data that came out about multivitamins say that they increase your risk of death from the Iowa women's, uh, women's study. There, there, there are numerous studies showing that synthetic vitamins. Um, there's a great study that looked at smokers and thought, well, if we give smokers these, these powerful antioxidants, it'll probably help them. They all got more cancer. So I really, my, my firm belief is that people should get the nutrients that the body and the brain needs from food. That's where we've always gotten them. That's where we should get them. And that there are risks in taking supplements. Um, some of the risks is that there are some nutrients in foods that we don't know a lot about. I mean, I guess you could probably take a pill of quercetin, which is a really yeah, yeah. powerful, a powerful antioxidant and also a signaling molecule in the body. But I'd rather get my quercetin in onions, where we know that's the most concentrated source, and it's coming with all kinds of other nutrients. It's coming with fiber. It's coming with sulfurophane. It's coming with um, chromium. You know, all these other nutrients that ha- 
have a role in the body and in the brain. So, uh, and, and also, I do have a concern that the supplement industry is not is not regulated in America. And so, if I wanted to just throw together a combination of of, sup, of uh, minerals and vitamins and call it Dr. Ramsey's Super Brain Supplement, I could call <laughs> I could call uh, I, could, I could, there's a, a whole there's a, a corridor of supplement manufacturers in Long Island. You could call them up. Send them a label design on PDF, and three or four days later, I'd have you know boxes and boxes of supplements sitting in my office. I don't want to do that because I know the nutrients that I want patients and people to be eating are found in Whole Foods. And you have wonderful lists in your book. You know the Happiness Diet, brain sharpening foods, for instance, and you have a list of fifteen or more foods that people can eat that will sharpen their brain, help them remember on all of those lovely things. Mood-boosting foods. Um, And and I just want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, we haven't talked much about the food on the diet. And, 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 you know, the foods on the diet are really, as I said, they're foods that people are going to like. So we just look at mood foods, right? The, The foods we recommend for mood, and I would say a lot of these are interchangeable. You know, if you start eating more um, omega-3 rich seafood, that's going to help your mood. It's also going to help your energy and your focus. So, yeah, the foods we really recommend are wild fish and wild seafood, and I really encourage people to eat a variety of seafood. So look at things like like scallops, for example, or mussels or clams. I've been recommending a lot of oysters to people. Um, so it's not just wild salmon, although that's certainly one of the foods that, that I recommend to a lot of people. We talk about um, things with lycopene, like cherry tomatoes and watermelon, um, chili peppers, that, that spice that you get in chili peppers. I've got a video up on my website about chili peppers because capsaicin, that spicy molecule, has a bunch of health effects that are very, very positive, very interesting. Um, we talk about things like beets, and, and, and I think a lot of these foods we, were, were chosen. We chose them because they're an example that most people experience beets as those horrible canned <laughs> canned yes. goo that's on the salad bar. But if you get a real fresh beet from a farmer, chop it up, oven roast it, put a little goat cheese in it, mix it with some olive oil, I mean, that is an amazing, amazing salad. And it's not sticky sweet, and it's full of all kinds of nutrients like betaine and uridine that, that are a couple of them actually being studied for the clinical treatment of depression. And then, and then you know, people oftentimes want to know what, what to eat for more energy, and, and you see a lot of people turning to, you know, the five-hour energy drink and Red Bull and all this stuff. And I, I love to take all of my college students yes. or patients and, and switch them over to something, you know, natural stimulants that are in foods like coffee, like dark chocolate. Um, that there are lots now of ways, you're talking. Well, there are ways to eat those that, that, that I think... Um, you know, are going to be stimulating and give you energy, but but it, it, you can make an argument. You know, dark chocolate has a tremendous amount of iron, magnesium, zinc, and it is it, it actually. There have been studies that show small amounts of dark chocolate not only improve mood, they also improve blood flow to the brain. Now that that, that that's a that's a great. I mean, that's a great um, uh, a great example of a switch of going from you know a processed food or an artificial food to something that's natural. And you'll find a number of those in this book. We're right up to the end of the show, Dr. Ramsey. I could talk about this for another two or three shows because it's so interesting and it's so important. But what's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? If you could have one thought that they take with them, absolutely, what would that be? Your mental health and your brain health and how you feel every day is largely under your control. 
And by making some simple food changes where you're eating delicious, tasty, locally produced whole foods, it doesn't take a lot of time, it doesn't take a lot of money, and it's going to have a tremendous impact for you and your family. And I, and, I, and I want listeners, I hope, to feel inspired that there is a better, healthier, happier way to eat than we're eating now. I also hope people feel motivated because this is a huge issue for our country. We, 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 if we really want to maintain our status as being sort of leaders of the free world, we have to eat a diet and, and, and export a diet that doesn't cause obesity, heart disease, diabetes, and depression. And right now that's what we're doing. And I also want everyone to know that please, if you have questions, please contact me via my website. Um, I'm happy to answer questions uh, and to help people really uh, take a step to the, on the path to happiness and start eating the happiness diet. P- please, if you are of a mind, check out the book. It's full of advice on how to, how to eat whole, uh, happy, healthy foods on a budget. Uh, it's full of useful tips, and, and I hope full of information really that, that won't scare people but will motivate them, really motivate them to take their health into their own hands. Next week's guest is Mal Duane, a former supermodel, a real estate mogul, and the author of Alpha Chick. Trust me, Alpha Chick is not what you think it is, so come back next week and hear about Mal Duane and Alpha Chick. Dr. Ramsey, thank you so much. You know, my take on this whole conversation in the book is if you eat, you really need to read this book. Irene, thank you so much for both the endorsement and the recommendation. I'd be happy to come back anytime and speak with you, and I, I really uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate you taking time to focus on the happiness diet, and I hope your listeners um, have gotten some useful information uh, today. And, and, I know and- they have. This is Irene Conlon saying thank you for listening from both myself and from Dr. Ramsey. Come back again next week and join us again with Mal Duane. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.